summer is just around the corner, and so too is hurricane season. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci at the Breast of Atlantic City. Welcome to the Something in the Air podcast. Since it is hurricane season, I had to bring on somebody who is behind a lot of what we talk about when we talk about what's ahead over the next couple of months. What is the hurricane forecast? Today we have Jordan Jones. She's a PhD student at Colorado State University, and yeah, we're going to talk about Colorado and hurricanes too in the interview, but she's on. She's telling us about the hurricane forecast, what goes into it, the new changes for 2021, plus her journey from Jamaica to Colorado. So really cool interview. I enjoyed it. I think you're going to learn a lot about hurricane season, and a lot about what goes into these kind of forecasts. It's not just something you kind of whip together and throw out there. It takes a lot of time, and she said even months of research for here. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our Jordan Jones. This is the Something in the Air podcast. All right, and now is the time we've all been waiting for. We are going to find everything out about the 2021 hurricane forecast. Plus, we're also going to hear about the life of uh, someone who makes this forecast happen. She's joined with us here today, Jordan Jones, PhD candidate at Colorado State University. She works with the hurricane forecasting team. You are coming to us all the way from Fort Collins, Colorado. I think you are the furthest person we've ever had for this podcast. So welcome. How's it going? Thank you. And it's going great. Beautiful. Um, I have to ask, first question off the top here, if you had to describe the 2020 hurricane season in one or two words, what would you describe it as? Exhausting. (laughs) Exhausting. Exhausting. Uh, A a record-breaking season for the Atlantic Hurricane Basin, um, not just with the number of named storms, but with the number of storms that made landfall in the U.S., um here in south jersey we had two of those um well really one tropical storm Faye made landfall and then we had isaias which made a close pass by do you remember any of those two storms um any special memories from those i know they were fairly uh, low on the totem pole compared to what else happened that is true <laughs> i shouldn't say so uh, um because all storms are important and um Unfortunately, no, I don't have any special uh, tidbits for those storms. Um, They were, they happened at a time when um, there was this sort of lull in the season. And, you know, we were all just sort of on on eggshells, just waiting for this, you know, this this season to pass. Um, And thankfully, Faye and Isaias did not, you know, become like the storms that we expected it to, um, ex- especially since we had incredibly warm sea surface temperatures, even yeah. for New Jersey and, you know, um, uh, the extra tropics, um, extra tropical East U.S. East Coast. So um, just thankful that, you know, we got out of 2020 uh, relatively, you know, yeah. It, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, um, but people are definitely impacted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for us, we did have, um, unfortunately, one person did pass away from rip currents in Faye, mm. but, you know, overall, Faye was a fairly tame storm. I mean, it was a pretty much one big rainstorm for half the day, and then that was it. I mean, it was a little bit breezy. I was outside in Brigantine, which is just north of Atlantic City, when the eye 
passed right nearby and it was mostly cloudy and people were jet skiing uh, while the eye was going nearby. I'm like, this is something you don't see all the time. And then Isaias did bring two tornadoes here to uh, South Jersey. But, um, you know, like you said, it, it could have been worse. This wasn't a sandy situation uh, for us here. Uh, that's the one that we're always going to talk about until the next sandy comes. But, you know, for a record-breaking season, you know, it's it's encouraging to hear those words that obviously, you know, it could have been worse and, and fortunately it was not. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, you come from Jamaica all the way to Colorado. So how does that happen? And, and let me ask, you know, growing up in Jamaica, how did the, mm-hmm. the, the weather influence, you know, you making your career decision to get into weather as a career? Yeah. So I had a, a really roundabout way of getting there. Um, Jamaica doesn't exactly have this uh, uh, specialized or um, well-known department for um, climate and weather, right? We have a physics department and they do climate physics. Uh, And I did not (laughs) really think that I would end up in atmospheric science, uh, to be honest. Um, I did my master's in Jamaica, which was about climate change and hurricanes. Um, And I read a lot of of research coming out of Colorado State. Uh, So I already knew about Phil Klotzbach. I already knew about William Gray. And essentially, I was just, you know, that's what I was going for, right? Just to to be able to to, uh, work with Phil Klotzbach is a great honor um, (laughs) already to work with uh, these people that have been working on this legendary and one of the oldest seasonal forecasts um it's just great so yeah yes yeah. I, I think that's your first question <laughs> yeah yeah no and, and just for for everybody here you know um dr klotzbach and dr gray are probably on the mount rushmore of hurricane forecasters could would that be fair to say it, i think they're, they're definitely in the uh, top four yeah yeah um and uh and you're working with the team which is um which is definitely uh something you know to to brag about uh it's very prestigious and uh you know i tell people all the time you know when, when we look at hurricane forecasts you know the, the two that mm-hmm. i'm you know i would say trust the most are NOAA, you know government and in colorado state and um you know one question people tell me is like why colorado state i mean you're first of all like it's landlocked and second of all it's not even like landlocked near the atlantic ocean it's landlocked yeah. near the pacific ocean so how how does that happen? And then I want you to get back to the, to the second question. I apologize. Just, you know, growing That's up fine. on the island, you know, how did weather influence you wanting to, you know, your interest in weather? Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So Colorado State University, actually the Department of Atmospheric Science is like uh, this hub of some of the founding fathers and mothers of tropical meteorology, right? Herbert Rail, uh, Dick Johnson, uh, <laughs> Joanne Simpson. Uh, these people mm-hmm. came through Colorado State uh, and they have gone on to, if you can consider the academic uh, family tree, then, you know, it, it has produced a lot of alumni that have gone on to do great research in tropical meteorology. Um, so Colorado State's Department of Atmospheric Science, um, along with, I think, the University of Chicago, uh, are just one of those big names in tropical meteorology because they have produced, they have essentially written all of the textbooks on tropical meteorology. Uh, so 
why why is it in Colorado State? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. Um, uh, there was just this perfect hill uh, that is in Colorado that was on Colorado State's land. And uh, one of the, the founding fathers of the department said, okay, we're going to put it there. And they built uh, that whole department on that hill. Um, it's also very close to UCAR and CAR, um, uh, which is the National Center for Atmospheric Research. Um, and, you know, there's also NOAA there as well. Um, so they have this, Colorado is like this, this hub, this mecca for atmospheric research. And, you know, in Colorado, the, the weather changes so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there is just yeah. so many phenomena to look at. So, you know, why not add hurricanes to, to, the, to the list? I guess um, not. Yeah, why not? So a little <laughs> bit different than growing up in Jamaica then, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Definitely very different. Um, uh, I was not ready for the dry air. <laughs> I'm definitely no. from like, you know, 80% humidity. Um, right. But to your question about um, my love and my growing interest for weather and climate, uh, I didn't really start out in climate and weather. So we're the tropics, we know about hurricanes, like, you know, it's a livelihood for us at this moment. Uh, one hurricanes come through and, you know, it's just like another day. Um, but it was so interesting that I was in high school when Hurricane Ivan in 2004 rolled through uh, and the eye wall, I think, skirted over us. So, we, you know, we saw that cool phenomena where the winds go one way and then they move another way. And it was just uh, terribly impactful, right, <laughs> in more ways than one. But, you know, it was this phenomena that that happens to us literally all the time. We even have songs about it. Um, we have a song about Hurricane Gilbert, which I cannot sing. Um, oh, that would be my next question. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, let's just take that idea out of your head right now. All but, right. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, we, we're just so intimate with hurricanes and what can happen after hurricanes with the impacts that, you know, it was just something to be, to be um, pursued, really, um, the study of hurricanes and, and how to predict hurricanes and whether or not we can do that ourselves in the Caribbean. So l let me ask, you know, I, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, hurricanes are pretty much a way of life. Were you, what were your thoughts on how we perceive hurricanes in the United States when you came here? Was there any difference and how you know people again people in the united states would think about hurricanes and people mm -hmm. in jamaica or, or was it about the same yeah um <laughs> uh, that's also another interesting thing about colorado i'm not sure what it's like in new jersey but americans do have this incredible enthusiasm for weather like you will know about a hurricane but you will run to it people have a little more interest in knowing what's going to happen this season um so you know how long does it take to make this hurricane forecast? We had to add up the hours between you and the other two members on the team. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I'm not sure if there's like a specific um, a specific uh, set of time. Um, first of all, Phil Kotzbach is essentially the one um, putting together uh, the document and the statistics and the models. And there are uh, three or four major components of that 
uh, forecast. One, you're looking at historical records um, and you're looking at past seasons. And that is a statistical model, which requires like uh, um, uh, historical or previous patterns in climate and in ocean and atmosphere that tell us what, you know, what could happen next. Then there is the dynamical models, which comes from uh, Europe's ECMWF um, or their Europe, European dynamical model. And that tells us what's going to happen with El Nino or La Nina phenomena. And then you have past seasons, which we call analogs. Um, and they're essentially what we're trying to do is to try and pick those seasons that have uh, similarities to what we are predicting using the both the statistical and the dynamical models. So there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things going into it, um, and it's not just Phil or Michael or or me. Uh, there are people also uh, that's affiliated. There are people who contribute a lot to those calculations as well. Um, and, you know, it, it, it does take a long while to build that. Um, it, it will probably take like a month to put the entire document together. But uh, for anything else extraneous, uh, it does take a little longer. Yeah, and I'm glad you said it because, you know, sometimes people think that a weather forecast is the same as a hurricane forecast. And I'm like, no, 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 like a weather forecast you're putting together in you know, an hour or an hour and a half. I said, this is something that takes a lot of time and it takes multiple people to do it. So I'm glad that you said it here. What, what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the 2021 hurricane forecast here for the Atlantic Ocean in New Jersey. This is the Something in the Air podcast. Hey, everyone. It's meteorologist Joe Martucci again. Every time I do a talk, I say, if I could take this job again, I would take it 10 times out of 10. And that's for many reasons. One, weather just matters more down here. I've been in many corners of the state, and when it comes to southeastern New Jersey, weather is the most important thing I always hear. Whether it's for tourism, whether it's for farming, or whether it's for boating, well, weather just plays a big role. And not only that, here at the Press of Atlantic City, we're able to give this information to you any way you want. You want it in your newspaper? We got it. You want it in videos? We got it. You want it on our website? Yeah, we have that too. And we can't do it without your support. Your support has been great over the past couple of years, and we look forward to more of your support in the future. To support South Jersey journalism, go to our website, pressofac.com slash subscribe, and you'll have offers that you can't refuse. That's pressofac.com slash subscribe. And we are back, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Something in the Air podcast here at the Press of Atlantic City and produced by Stockton University. Join with me, uh, someone from Colorado State University, all the way out west, Jordan Jones. She's a PhD student at Colorado State University, specializing in hurricanes forecasts. And we are going to get to the moment that I think many people on this podcast who are listening have been waiting for, which is what is the actual forecast for 2021? Please don't let it be as bad as last year. Please don't let it be as bad as last year. Uh, so tell us, will it be as active as last year? Is that what you believe the forecast will be? Mm, okay, so good news, no. Not as bad as 2020. Bad news is that we do still expect it to be particularly uh, active or above normal active. Uh and what that really means is that we expect 17 named storms, 
eight hurricanes, four of which may be major hurricanes. And that also means that we expect an accumulated cyclone energy unit or value of 100 and I, I think 50. 150, I think, is what you have. And just explain mm-hmm. for everybody what the, and we call it the ACE. In the right. Uh, yeah. What the ACE is. It's cool, uh, or at least it sounds cool, but it's actually not. (laughs) Um, So it is a metric uh, or or an index that um, combines the duration of a storm. It combines the intensity of a storm, therefore how how large or how high the wind speeds are. Um, And it also takes into account the frequency. So how many, how many storms are, um, have actually formed Um, and higher than 111 units of ACE is actually incredibly active, right? Or um, (laughs) normal active. Yeah. Actually, let me take that back. It is above normal, which right. seems, which means that the likelihood of being impacted by a storm, whether it's tropical storm or not, can still be pretty bad. Uh, uh, which is why you, why Joe, you probably also m- noticed that all the percentages um, of the landfalling probabilities have increased for literally everyone across yeah. the Gulf of Mexico and the U.S. East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll jump into that. And, uh, you know, our four counties here along the coast, Cape May, Atlantic, Ocean, and Monmouth, are all above average. On average, um, for a hurricane to pass within 50 miles, which is not that far, if you guys, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about, we're talking about from about Manahawkin down the parkway to about Avalon. Jordan, I know you know, we'll have to have you here one day, and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll take you from Manahawkin down to Avalon. But uh, about 50 miles, not that far, Um on average, is a 6% risk for all of the coastal counties except for Monmouth, which is a 3. This year, we're almost doubling that. Um, You have a 10% risk for Cape May, Atlantic, and Ocean, and a 6% chance for Monmouth. And what I... But I want you to explain this a little more philosophical, but like, you know, what does that 10% actually mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like, should people be concerned? Should people not be concerned? You know, Mm -hmm. because... It's more than average, but it's still relatively low risk. That is true. Yes. Um, So uh, we tend to calculate the landfalling probabilities by taking into consideration um, all of the hurricane stats for all of the storms that have already that have impacted you in the past. Um, And it does work out to be um, a pretty low percentage. Uh, But it also means that if we double that you know, you've been impacted by one storm, you know, just one storm, like Sandy, Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Um, it, it, it means that even if you have just one storm, uh, it doesn't tell you what the impacts could be. Like, for instance, if uh, a storm decided to sit over New Jersey for an extended period of time, um, that landfalling probability would not be able to classify or to tell you about that, right? It only tells you what has happened in the past. Um, and you, you know, you know by Hurricane Sandy that, you know, extremes do happen even in hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, comparing to last year, right, we had our two tropical storms. Um, I think people would take those two tropical storms rather than one hurricane, or really it was a post-tropical cyclone, but we won't go there. Uh, but one hurricane to make landfall. And just to give people a kind of what comparison, what we're working with here, you know, so we said on average, right, 6% 
um, you know, for, for a lot of these counties along the shore. Miami-Dade County in Florida is 23% risk. Palm Beach County is 22% risk. Just to give you an idea of what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you... When you fork, when you're looking at these, you know these forecasts. Just talk. Could you talk a little bit about geography and hurricanes? Because I think people, you know, and myself included, we tend to maybe not always think about like where you actually are on planet Earth. You know, determines your risk of landfall. Like if you're jutting out into the ocean, right. for example, or if you're not. Could you talk about that? You know, from an East Coast perspective. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so. Hurricanes have this general path that happens. We're talking about just basic here. Um, So it will travel generally from the coast of Africa straight across uh, to the Atlantic, to the Caribbean, Gulf of Mexico. And uh, somewhere within the Gulf of Mexico, it starts to curve naturally, curve north. And interestingly enough, it follows you know, that U.S. East Coast uh, trajectory, really, right? Um, And that is for a number of reasons. For one, uh, it's easier for it to literally um, coast along the coast uh, because land for it is pretty bad. Um, Dry air from across the U.S. continental, um, the continental U.S., forces it to move along the coast as well. Uh, so if you do jot out a lot, depending on whether or not um, the hurricane or the extratropical storm is near, is that near to the coast, uh, you will definitely be impacted by it. Um, most storms tend to fizzle by then because you have a lot of uh, shear, uh, which is essentially just imposing winds in different directions that tears that storm apart. Um, But there are also storms that have an incredibly strong or resilient vortex. um, And it doesn't matter if you're jutting out uh, or, you know, relatively protected by coast, uh, you will still be impacted. Um, Just depends on how how intense that storm is and, you know, how well it transforms into an extratropical storm. Sure. And just going back to New Jersey again, I mean, Monmouth County has half the average, on average, half the risk. Mm-hmm. And that's because if you, if you think about New Jersey, everybody, you know, Ocean County kind of protects Monmouth a little bit. If a storm's going from South to North, it's going to hit Ocean mm-hmm. County before it even gets into Monmouth. So that, that's why it's a little bit lower. It doesn't mean the impacts won't be bad. You know, right. look at Sandy, you know, it made right. landfall right north of Atlantic City mm-hmm. to the north of there is where we saw the strongest damage, you know, as opposed to the south. But, you know, just give me an idea of that. Um, when, you know, we talk about this kind of, you know, hurricane season, are there any times, you know, that we're looking for an unusually active period? You know, obviously your September, October is very active. Are there any times that you could point out that would, you know, hey, be on more alert than usual? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so one uh, very I get, reliable pattern is the El Nino-La Nina phenomena. If you do have mm-hmm. a strong, sustained La Nina, there is definitely going to be uh, above average hurricane activity. Uh, the second thing is if we have extremely warm sea surface temperatures going into uh, the hurricane season, um, if we 
just exactly like 2020, we started the year off with these really warm sea surface temperatures and it was sustained well into, you know, uh, November and December. So, um, you know, just warm sea surface temperatures will encourage hurricane development and hurricane activity in general. Um, so that's number two. Number three is also this idea of vertical wind shear. Uh, therefore, how much resistance is there in, in the atmosphere in general? Um, and that would impede the motion of hurricanes. Uh, if it is lower over the North Atlantic, which happens during La Nina um, events, then yes, we are definitely going to see some powerful hurricanes. Um, but if we have more resistance, more vertical wind shear, then we'll very likely see a suppression of hurricane activity. Gotcha. Um so just to recap for everybody, again, just to you know, give everybody the forecast here, forecasting 17 named storms out of those 17, eight would be hurricanes. Those are maximum sustained winds of 74 miles, over 74 miles an hour. And then out of those eight, four of them would be major hurricanes, category three out of five or greater here. Um, turning into some changes that the National Hurricane Center ha have for this year, I think the major one is that we are done with the Greek alphabet. We are taking that and we are throwing it out and we're never going to see it again um in its place we're going to have just a reusable um we'll say regular list of yeah. hurricane names um just i don't just tell me your opinion on that um you know and, and what you felt going later into the season where we were using these greek names i think we had um theta and eta at the same time yeah. uh, which probably sounds a little confusing um and some of them we had to retire because they were so impactful that we had to retire so there was a little conundrum with that so just tell me what your opinion is on that and um if you know the story just like what the story is about retiring these greek hurricane names mm -hmm. yeah uh yeah so uh in general naming hurricanes is actually or the entire system is actually pretty confusing uh one they start off with i think at least uh four years of defined names for um the next four seasons. Um, but when you have a particularly extreme season that tends to spill over into uh, the Greek alphabet, uh, the problem with the Greek alphabet though, is that you can't retire, you know, <laughs> a, a Greek letter, yeah, right? It's, it's not like, it's not like it's a name, so you can't really replace it. Uh, so that was one of the issues uh, with it. Um, but, uh, to, on the other side of it, it has been a pretty good indicator of when we, we've had um, uh, very active, very extreme seasons, right? Yeah. Uh, 2005 is literally the only other uh, example of uh, us going, through, going into the Greek alphabet. Uh, and in general, what they're going to do is that they're going to set up another list that one, they can retire in case uh, something goes wrong or, you know, we have an extreme Greek alphabet, uh, Greek alphabet storm uh, <laughs> that they can retire. <laughs> yes, let's hoping that we don't. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that has been uh, their rationale uh, that they have to be able to retire storms that have caused too much damage. Got it. Well, thanks for your input there. And, you know, last question before we wrap up, I got to know, what's the story with these donuts you guys do when you release your hurricane forecast? Oh. And where do you get the donuts from? They look pretty <laughs> good. 
You can go on Twitter. <laughs> you can go on Twitter and see this if you look up uh, Phil Klotzbach's uh, Twitter account. I think he always tweets it out every time. But go ahead. T- tell me the donut story and how were yeah. they this year? Uh, yeah, you know, I have no idea how it started, but it definitely started with uh, William Gray. Uh, he had the donut tradition. He also had the bell tradition uh, for ringing it uh, exactly on August 1st, or is it 23rd? Uh, to Ooh, sort of that one I don't know. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's sort of to highlight the start of the peak hurricane mm-hmm. season. Um, but yeah, uh, Phil did take that Phil Klotzbach did take on that uh, donut tradition and he's probably the best person to ask about that. And he also oh, yeah. owes me donuts. So <laughs> he owes you donuts. What happened? Owe me donuts. Were you guys not Were you guys not together for the hurricane forecast this year? Is that no, why he owes you donuts? Yeah. Cause uh, well, yeah, uh, we were, we're working from home. So there's really right. no, um, and to answer your question about um, the, where the donuts come from, I'm pretty sure it's just like regular store-bought donuts. So oh, okay. any donut will do. I didn't know if he was, you know, rolling the donuts early in the morning for everybody and putting <laughs> sprinkles on top. No, I don't know. <laughs> maybe he has I like a know, famous, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe he has like a, um, a favorite donut that he buys. So, Well, we'll have to go over there one day and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and have donuts. Well, Jordan, th- thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us about hurricane season. Before we wrap up, um, do you want to tell people how they can follow you or follow the team as we go through hurricane season? Sure. Uh, so we are all on Twitter. Um, you can follow us at either Philip, Phil J. Klotzbach um, on Twitter, or you can follow me at Jordan J. Um, I'm a pretty easy person to look up <laughs> um, if you can remember the spelling of my name. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're all yeah. there. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for the time. We appreciate it. Hopefully hurricane season goes off uh, very smoothly here. No, ma- no major impacts. And we'll talk with you soon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Something In Air podcast. We'll be back with you the first Wednesday of June, recapping New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson and I's birthday month. We're going to talk all about the month of May and weather here across South Jersey. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or at thepressofac.com slash weather.